Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share His grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. At this time, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians, the book of 1 Thessalonians. And um, uh, if you remember, make sure to be praying for Pastor Ryan. He's in Nigeria right now. And so be praying for that. He told me uh, yesterday that by the time I got up to spoke, he would have spoken, um, preached two messages in 95 degree weather before I even got up here uh, this morning. So I told him if we would have known, we would have got him one of those camelbacks with the, uh, with the little straw, and he could have drank water the whole time while he was preaching. So make sure you pray for he and his family as well. So First Thessalonians, we're going to be in chapter 5 this morning. So I'm going to read you uh, something real quick. Here is a letter that uh, someone wrote. Here we go. It says, Dear Mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm really has been broken. I broke it and my left leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory when we had the fire. We were lucky. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were here in minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory livable again, I moved in with him. He has been so nice. I must admit that I am pregnant. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get out of his current relationship. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine and will write more when I get the chance. Love, your daughter Susie. P.S. None of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and flunked chemistry. I just wanted you to receive this news in its proper perspective. So that really uh, brings things a lot of times. Uh, you read all that, and uh, their mom's probably thinking, wow, um, this is horrible. And then she delivers the news that she got to see in sociology and flunked chemistry. Uh, perspective or the frame of mind can be everything, right? It can be everything in times where, um, where trials are happening. It can be uh, great at times when good things are happening. Um, but the frame, of Ryan, uh, the frame of mind can be everything. A little thing gone wrong could just be a little something. You brush it off and keep moving forward. A lot of little things going wrong at the same time can kind of bring about, um, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. And so Thanksgiving, as it's coming up uh, this week, we're going to talk a little bit about giving thanks and, uh, and what that means and how we can be uh, and walk in the way of Christ. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to be reading out of the message version, but um, there's another version that I'm going to be using as we walk through what Paul says here. So 1 Thessalonians 5, it will be up on the screen if you do not have your Bibles. Here we go, starting in verse 16. He says, Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Don't suppress the spirit and don't stifle those who have a word from the master. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what's good. Throw out anything tainted with evil. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. 
What a great, uh, what a great translation that Eugene Peterson puts this here. So we're going to talk about a little bit about this today. And um, when Paul writes this, uh, we need to think along the lines. Think of these parts as Paul almost uh, giving kind of subtle hints and kind of reminders. Almost as a N.T. Wright, um, as I was reading, N.T. Wright said, it's almost like little tidbits in memorizing or trying to learn a language. Has anyone ever lear- had to learn a different language? Some of you guys, I mean, uh, like along with my parents, we, we had to learn English as a, as a second language. Now, I grew up, you know, in, um, in Florida and everything like that. So, I, you know, we went through school and all that. But some of you, you had to learn English or you had to learn a different language as you were traveling or going through. And um, apparently some people think English is the most difficult language to learn. So even in Spanish, you could say one thing in Spanish, and it could mean so many things just engrossed into one. Um, but in English, you have so many adjectives and phrases and, um, and even just some sayings that aren't even, you know, people just made up. And you're like, oh, what does that mean? Or what does this mean? And so um, N.T. Wright says that it's almost like certain points or phrases or little tidbits, almost as if you were memorizing a language. Um, so when I went to I went to Italy for a missions trip uh, a while ago while I was in college, and um, I could almost pick out some of the things that they were saying because Spanish was so similar. So like some of the teenagers would come up and they'd start talking, and I could pick out phrases and different things as they were talking, and then they could pick out stuff. I would speak back in Spanish, and they could pick out certain phrases and things that were like, oh, I know what that means, I know what that means. And so the same goes here with our Christian walk. Paul puts things here. Um, to go from thinking in the mind to knowing in the heart. Thinking in the mind to knowing in the heart. And he gives a couple of uh, things here. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. So it's almost like a community conduct uh, list. And we're going to dive a little more into Thessalonians uh, this morning. So Rejoicing always. So this list is full of joy because Paul was wanting to teach them to celebrate in the midst of suffering. To celebrate in the midst of suffering. There was persecution going on um, at that time. And, uh, and Charles Spurgeon does a great quote here. He says, when joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. When joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. Now, the Christian, we as believers, we should rejoice uh, always because joy is not based on circumstances that change. You know what joy is based on? Joy is based on a God that never changes. And so isn't that good to know that it doesn't matter what circumstances happen. It could be the worst of the worst. It could be the best of the best. It should not affect necessarily our joy because our joy is not based on things that happen on a regular basis. Basis, But our joy is based on a God who never changes. It says in the Bible, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know about you, but I like, I like worshiping a God that is dependable, right? Um, a lot of times people um, go into different churches and they're like, oh, I don't really like this church. The people aren't dependable or I don't go to that church because the people. And the truth of the matter is, no, you, you, they're absolutely right that people are not dependable. But God is dependable. So when he says it, he'll do it. And the promises that he makes, he'll keep them. And when he says he's going to be somewhere, he's there. When he says he's going to do something, he does it. And so uh, we're excited to be able to uh, rejoice in a God that does that. 
And um, Charles Spurgeon even goes on to wonder why Christians, back when he was preaching and doing things, why Christians were so gloomy and afraid to rejoice. He was like, you have this gospel that, you know, the gospel translates to good news. You have this good news, the gospel. Why would we be sharing that to others and not be joyful? It just doesn't make sense, right? So Charles Spurgeon was like, why are there so many gloomy Christians? Do you know also that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit? So we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, so on and so forth. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And it says in the Bible that you can tell a lot about someone by their fruit. By their fruits. You can tell what an apple tree is by the apples. You can tell what an orange tree is by oranges. You can tell what a grapevine is by the grapes. And so it is kind of interesting. I, uh, um, I used to have a sour orange tree in my backyard down in Florida. My parents have a bunch of different things they plant and grow. And um, there used to be a sour orange tree. And it was very interesting because from the outside, you could say, oh, you know, that kind of looks like an orange tree, but it had some distinctions. The oranges didn't always look like the nice, sweet oranges. And so my parents would use those to, um, you know, as kind of a, uh, does anyone use kind of seasoning, like a mojo seasoning? Or maybe you've heard of that before. It's, it's pretty much sour orange juice, some garlic, some lime, like a Spanish seasoning. So my parents would grab some of the sour oranges from the tree, cut them up, and then squeeze them for a marinade. For a marinade. And so it's kind of interesting, though, because you could pick off the fruit from that tree, and all you had to do was taste it, and you could tell. Sometimes I'd trick my friends that would come over, like, oh, yeah, we got an orange tree going. And they'd, like, wrap it open and squeeze some, or buy it, like, oh, what is this? And so you could definitely tell That was an orange tree, a sour orange tree. And so the Christian should rejoice always because, like I said, joy is not based on circumstance. There's also a verse in the Bible that a lot of times people use. It's called, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That is in Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, at that time, I like to give some context. I just don't like to say a verse. And then you take it all out of context. And, oh, yeah, let's, we're going to a football game, and the football team's going to win. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Uh, at that time, the joy of the Lord is my strength comes from the fact that Nehemiah, they were reading some scripture, and everyone was gathered around, and people were getting convicted of their sin. They're getting convicted of their sin. And so there was some sorrow going around. People started crying, and Nehemiah was like, hold on, hold on. Yes. You should be sorrowful because of your sin, but your conviction should not be more than your knowledge of God. And so he said, yes, yes, have conviction, but don't just, don't just, keep, uh, don't just keep going after the conviction and, and believing in it, and that's the only thing that you follow, but follow the fact that, yes, God is going to change your life, and he provides that knowledge for you. And so that's where the joy of the Lord is my strength comes from. The people felt sad because they were aware of their own sin. Uh, But they could walk in joy because God was doing great work in and within them. So we as believers, as Paul uh, wrote to the church, he's saying, rejoice always, rejoice always. Point number two today, he goes on to say, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. You know what prayer is, right? Prayer is communication with God. We can be in constant communication with God. Isn't that incredible? That we could literally be in constant communication with the creator of the universe. 
Isn't that amazing? Prayer, communication with God. A lot of times, you know what we do with prayer is we just talk to God. There's no real conversation. Conversation is someone talking to someone else and someone listening and talking back. That is conversation, correct? So a lot of times we take prayer as, let's just give God our list of demands. No, that is not true prayer. True prayer is communication with God. Now, this is different. Pray without ceasing. Now, this is different than when God talks about in the Bible where we have to go to our separate quiet place. Um, You know, if it's a, a closet or a room or somewhere where there aren't any distractions to pray. Yes, that is also a type of time to pray to God. But second here... He's talking about living every moment in prayer, a mindset of prayer. You know what that means? It means you wake up in the morning and you're in that mindset of prayer. Thank you, God, for giving me another day. How can I best serve you today? It's walking down the grocery store and the cashier um, doesn't seem to be in a very good mood. It's God, I pray that you would bless them today. It's maybe thinking about your enemy or someone you don't like and saying, God, I pray that you would. And you're you're like, that you would bless them today. Even though you don't like them, you're still, God, bless them today. It does something within us when we have that prayer mindset. And we live in that prayer mindset where we're walking constantly with God and we have that. Now, that doesn't mean you're driving down the road and you close your eyes and fold your hands and you're praying. And you say, Jesus, take the wheel. That's not what we're necessarily talking about. But to be in that constant mindset that Each and every day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have that communication with God. It's not praying for 24 hours a day or or you have to pray these super long prayers. It just could be God, bless them. God, heal them. God, provide for them. Living that constant mindset of prayer. Nonstop, prayerful spirit. A lot of times uh, we, say, we, we say and we think prayer is almost a last resort, don't we? Where it's like, oh, let's do what we can here. Let's do, well, you know, the least I could do is pray for them. But instead of having that mindset, why don't we switch it around and say, you know what? Instead of having it as a last response, let's have it as a first response in situations. So Paul is telling them, he's like, not just keep on rejoicing, rejoicing in everything. Have the joy based on the fact that you follow the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, who sent his son to die on the cross for our sin, but also to pray without ceasing. Pray without stopping. How, what would our life look like if we had that kind of mindset? What would our life look like as we walked our day in and day out constantly in prayer, constantly in communication with God. I was talking to the students on Wednesday, and I brought this up because we're going through kind of a little Thanksgiving series as well, and I talked to them. I said, a lot of times we don't really pray to God until we need something, and then we provide this list of demands, right? Or when something goes bad, that's when we say, okay, something's bad. Here we go. Let's pray. Hey, God, I haven't talked to you in a couple weeks, a couple months. Um, How's it going? Um, I need you to do this for me. But instead, having that communication where we just don't talk to God, but we let him talk to us. So what is God speaking to us as we walk in day in and day out? Is he asking us to do something for someone? Is he asking us to maybe share something? Is he asking us to speak truth and encouragement into someone's life? 
Is he asking us to show love and to talk to someone about maybe things that they aren't doing, uh, maybe what's best in God's plan for their life, but out of love you say, God, this is going to be difficult, but I know I can do it because you've asked me to. Being in that constant communication with him. Pray without ceasing. So Paul goes on not just to say, Rejoice and have joy no matter what the circumstances are. Paul knew a little bit about that, didn't he? In bad circumstances, right? Shipwrecked, beaten, tortured. He knew all about that. Yet he's writing this and he's telling these people, hey, you're being persecuted. Things are going bad in your life, but have joy. He's having these kind of little tidbits. Like when we memorize a language, as I said before, we are like, okay, I before E except after C, and spelling here, what, what type of grammar? And when you become fluent in that language, you don't really think about that anymore. You just kind of speak it, right? And so a lot of people ask me if I'm fluent in Spanish. And, uh, you know, if you drop me in the middle of nowhere, I could, yeah, I could speak. I could survive. I could pra- I practice a lot more when I lived in Florida and worked Um, in some places, but most of the time you can tell when someone is fluent, when they don't have to think in their mind, it just, it comes out naturally. So you're not even thinking, okay, I got to conjugate this. I got to get the right pronoun. I got to get the right, okay, uh, no. So instead of translating in your mind, so Spanish for dog is perro, right? Now fluent becomes the point where you say, okay, um, I don't say perro, but translating it in my mind as, okay, dog, perro, okay, there we go. But it's you say perro already knowing it's, it, it's natural to you. And that is what Paul is trying to do. He's, he's giving these kind of tidbits where it becomes natural in the way that we walk in our faith. It becomes natural to always have joy in situations. It becomes natural for us to pray continuously where prayer is not a foreign thing because we are constantly communicating with God. So we never feel far from him. God doesn't ever leave. It's us that leave. And so there comes a point where we say, God, uh, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while versus, hey, God, I, I just talked to you a couple minutes ago. I really need help in this situation. Give me wisdom. Give me the right words to say. Pray for that person that needs healing, God. So Paul is giving that to us so that it almost becomes a natural way that we walk in our faith. Where day in and day out, it, it, be, it goes from mind to heart. Not just knowing, but doing the Word of God. So not just rejoicing, not just praying without ceasing, but third and finally, Paul goes on to say, Thank God through everything. Thank God through everything. Now, It's pretty easy to thank God when things are going great in your life, isn't it? Sometimes it's too easy where we almost forget. We almost forget when things are going great in our life and we say, uh, you know, things are great. I, I, you know, do I even need God right now? Things are going great in my life. I don't have to pray. I don't have to do anything. And so we almost forget when things are going great in our life that, hey, God has blessed us with this. Are we thanking him for it? Be careful not to forget because we think we don't need God anymore. Thanking him through the good. Uh, Also, thanking him through the bad can be a struggle as well. Doesn't really make sense to thank God when something bad comes into our life, does it? Have you ever thanked someone when they gave you something bad? Thank you so much for giving this to me. 
if it wasn't sarcastic or a lie. And so a lot of times we have this, this issue where we, we, how do we thank God through the bad? What does that actually mean? What does that look like? Uh, as I said before, Paul knew what it meant to thank God through the bad. Uh, even when people tried to threaten him, we're going to kill you. Well, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Well, we're going to torture you. Yes, I'll be tortured for the love of Jesus and all that I've done. They're like, what do we do with this guy? Everything we try to do, he just says, thank you. Thank you. That's for the will of God for my life. He knew what bad situations meant. But Paul thanked God through the bad because he knew even in the bad, God was still in control. He knew even through the bad, even everything that was going on, he knew God was still in control. That's how we can thank God through the bad in situations, because it says that God, what the enemy can use for evil, God can turn around and use for good. I love that. I love that. God has that redemption. It ends in the verse by saying, uh, it doesn't say this isn't God's will, so you should do it. But instead, it says God's will, this is God's will, so you can do it. You can do these things. You can rejoice. You can pray continuously, as Paul is encouraging them. This is the redemptive story of Jesus, isn't it? Where he can take the bad and turn it into the good, to bring life when death was the option. Starts out at the beginning in the garden when sin enters the world, and then God says, I have a plan to turn this around. Because he, he loves people, and he knew what was going to happen. This did not take him by surprise, but he goes, hey, you know what? I have a plan. And what was his plan? The redemption story goes from Genesis to Revelation, where he brings his son from heaven, skin and bones, down to earth to die for us so that we could live with him forever. Taking the bad, turning it into good. And so Jesus dies on the cross for our sin, bears all our sin, it says, so that we could spend eternal life with him someday. That is the redemption story. Everything in the Bible goes back to the redemption story. Everything in the Bible points back to this story. So the enemy thought he had won. Oh, I got them to sin. I got them not to believe who they really were, who God told them they were. And then God says, not so fast. I have a plan to save my people. And that is when we accept his gift of salvation and we become part of that redemptive story. The redemption of his people so we can live with him for eternity one day. Psalm 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Not dependent on anything else. Not dependent on it. It doesn't say, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, but only if things are going great for you. No, it says, let everything. Is everyone alive in here today? Yes. We have breath. We're breathing. So what does that mean? It means everyone that has breath, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. And as the band makes their way to the stage this morning, I just want to close on that because Paul, 
says these things to them after going through persecution and and a lot of times uh, they're dependent on the end times where they're like, if Jesus comes back, are we going to be ready or 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 what do we have to do to get ready for this? That's what they're thinking in this book. And Paul is going, hey, I'm giving you tidbits here. I'm giving you things here to remind you on a regular basis. This is how we should walk as believers. This is how we should walk in faith. So as everyone closes their eyes and bows their heads this morning, I just want to ask a couple questions as we close. Number one, are we showing and experiencing that joy that we talked about today? Do we have the joy of the Lord? Is the joy of the Lord our strength? Are we doing things? Are we showing people our fruit of the spirit of joy? Are we gloomy Christians? And at times, maybe we need to say, you know what, God, I need you to help me to be more joyful. Because when people see that joy that you give me, they're going to notice a difference in my life. So maybe today you just need to have that conversation with God and say, you know what? God, please help me to have more joy. Help me to experience more joy in my life. Secondly, maybe you just don't communicate with God as much as you want to. Maybe you need to say, you know what? I need, I need to have that continuous prayer mentality. I need to have, the, have, have to have that prayer mindset. I need to have to have that time where I don't go a long time without talking to God, without communicating with him. That barrier was broken between us and God by his son's blood, Jesus, so that we have access to God. We don't have to access through anyone or anything. We have complete access to him. Are we taking advantage of that? Do we have that prayer mindset? Maybe today you need to have that chat with God and say, God, I I pray that you would just help me to communicate more with you. Help me not to go a certain amount of time without communicating with you, the creator of the universe. And third, maybe today you're saying, you know what? There have been a lot of bad things that happened in my life. There have been a lot of good things that happened in in my life. When was the last time that I thanked God for things that he's done or helped me with that looked bad at first, but he switched them around and turned them and made good come from them? That we need to remember not just to thank God through the good, but also to thank God through the bad and even ugly situations sometimes. That whatever comes around, whatever storm may come, that it can still be well with our soul. That it can still be well with our soul. That the storm may rock us. We may be in the middle of something terrible. But because we have that relationship with God, we have that communication. We can say, God, I don't know what you're doing here. But I thank you that you are still in control. And that circumstances do not determine anything in my life. But that it can still be well with our soul. Jesus, we thank you so much for those in here today. I pray, God, that you would just speak to us. Lord, these words of wisdom that Paul gives to these people here, to this church, as he writes this out, doesn't talk about all the negative, but he, but he says, hey, there's enough negativity. There's a lot of trials and things that have happened to you and I both, but we need to remember 
Here are these tidbits. Here are these crumbs. Here are these reminders in walking out our faith that we should rejoice always. Continually pray. Continually have that connection, that conversation between us and God. And third, that we should continue to thank God, not just for the good, but for the bad that happens in our life because He is and has created that redemption story for us. And we thank you so much for that, God. We thank you so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins so that we can live with you forever someday. And maybe you're sitting here today and you have never done that before. You've never made that decision to follow Jesus. And maybe today's the day for the first time in life you're saying, I want to make that decision. I want to be part of that redemption story. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up real quick and put it back down and say, for the first time in my life, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. And if you raised your hand today, I ask that you come see me after service or find someone at the Connect Center and let them know that you have made this decision. God, we thank you so much for today. I pray that you'd continue to guide us each and every day. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.